mm-hmm. rookie of the year candidate. He's had a fantastic preseason. He stayed healthy. It's um, not even week one, so let's ease up on that. Uh, he's going to be the rookie of the year. <laughs> We've already given him his bonus. <laughs> it's given the us award exactly. is getting engraved as we speak. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good afternoon, Pep. Yeah, B-Boy. It's a long weekend. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. It's a beautiful day. It's, be- it's a little windy, but it's beautiful. Uh, your kids are courageous for swimming in that pool. Um, both both kids gave it a five on five in terms of coldness. Yeah, uh, yet they're uh, in there. I went in there, and it's uh, five on five. It was pretty cold. It felt good on the body, but it was uh, very slow going to get in. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. And my manhood was questioned once I got in there. <laughs> Do you? Uh, are you the uh, like sort of gently come in and uh, ease your way in type, or are you the uh, dive in and just get it get her done? Now I'm the gentle, uh, <laughs> cautious, slow-going yes. old man that gets in the pool. Okay. Uh, my okay. daughter jumped in uh, with just putting her foot in the water, tested it out, and then jumped in. And that's how I used to be. But, see, uh, is that your pops I see behind the barbecue? Is he in the water too? He is in the water. That man is a legend. Uh, if for those of you who are listening, we are at Brock's parents uh, out in Orleans, and uh, it's a beautiful day. It uh, was 25 degrees. With the clouds, it makes it a little chilly. But uh, uh, Brock's dad and his kids are uh, braving the cold, I guess. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. It's not heated, for those that are wondering. It isn't? It's not. It's everything else, though. <laughs> it's lit. <laughs> it's got, yeah, it's, it's got uh, special LEDs that he's... Be- uh, my kids are still young, so we, we leave early enough. But he's like, well, if you stay later, you can see the LEDs and they <laughs> dance and we got party settings. And he showed me. Did he? Yeah. I'm old enough to stay up a little bit later. And he showed me. They're awesome. Yeah. I'm no. moving in, by the way. Um, you might as well. I mean, maybe I should tell. I should probably have told Carol and your dad before. But uh, I'm moving in. I, ideally, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. Great. AFC we, North. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get the. Oh, uh, you were at the Champions game. I You're was sporting the Ottawa Champions jersey. I was, uh, which is actually a very good looking jersey. It's not bad. This is their third jersey. This is their alternate. I like it. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, they, they were winning when I left, uh, but they are out of the playoffs. Okay. So, and that team they were playing today were out of the playoffs. So they were they were swinging it at, at first pitch. Like there was no home run derby. It was pretty much a uh, first pitch swinging type game. There was a lot of there was actually a lot of bunts, which I thought was awkward. Um, but it was it was fun to watch cuz guys are just letting loose. Um, there were a few errors, a few plays you wouldn't normally see. But uh, they play their last game of the season tomorrow. If uh, anyone who's off to Labor Day, I'm sure which is most of the most of everybody we know, they're well, off tomorrow. So I got tickets for it for tomorrow as well. Well, we got, uh, yes, we were in a a trivia night on Friday with, uh, well, Mike Pignan and his wife. Yes. Um, So there was a a kid from a class that one of their kids are in who was fighting cancer for the second time. Ah. And it was a fundraiser for that family. And so they had a trivia night at the uh, Canada Sports uh, something. Uh, Anyway, we finished in second. Uh, I think they raised some decent money. and um, But one of our... uh, 
prizes was uh, tickets to see the champions. Nice. So we can kind of use it whenever, but if tomorrow's the last game, then... If they're for this season, tomorrow's the last game. Yeah. I don't know if they carry over for next, but if the weather is uh, semi-decent, then we might try and make it out for a bit and uh, and go take a look. It's usually it's usually a good time. And uh, I know, like even like I said, today they were just swinging for the fences. So it, it's, yeah. it's fun, different kind of baseball. A little less calculated. Everything's sort of let loose. Even the other team, their, their last place, the team they're playing, Quebec... Yeah. And uh, they were they're letting loose too, and they're going for the fence. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool. Uh, speaking of the trivia night, we were uh, <clears throat> so we get to the trivia night. My mom's babysitting. We didn't eat before we went, and uh, <laughs> so I'm hungry. But we get in, and it's this little you know, uh, it's at the top of a rink, the Canada rink where I think the Blazers play or something. And uh, beer's really cold, and they have they sell big full bags of chips and stuff. Okay. But I see there's a kitchen, so somebody's got something, and I was like, yeah. And there's two. <laughs> <laughs> two older gentlemen that are uh, working the bar, and it says clearly like these are volunteers, like they're not. Uh... So anyway, I said, uh, I said, hey, you got any food? And the guy's like, uh, well, yeah. He's like, I can't guarantee it's any good, but I'll do my best. And I was like, all right, like what do you got? So it was chicken wings and fries. I said, okay, I'll take that. And so I got like sixteen wings, fries, a couple bags of chips. Some uh, we each got drinks, and it was like twenty eight bucks. So he gives me the machine. I put it in, and I put in like a six dollar tip or something. And uh, the guy has the machine, and uh, or he says, he says, "Sorry, you gotta, you gotta tell me what the tip is, so that I can put it in or whatever." It's okay. I said, "Put six bucks." And he he looks at me, he goes, oh, "Is that is that too much? Isn't that too much?" I'm like, "No, I mean, you're one, you're a volunteer. Two, you're making my food. You know, six yeah. bucks is fine." Anyway, so he punches stuff in, and you know, I go through everything, and you know, put my coat and stuff in. He was very appreciative. Brings the food over later, and then. Uh, three hours later, the, the night's over and we're walking out and the two bartenders are there and they, their eyes perk up when we're leaving. And I was like, yeah, thanks a lot. You know, yeah. kind of leaving and you know, Mike's behind me and we're walking down and I'm like, wow, like for a $6 tip, like they're pretty enthusiastic. The fact that three hours later, they kind of remember. And then we start walking down the stairs and I, I look back at Mike and said, fuck, I hope I didn't add like a zero or two to that <laughs> thing. Like it's <laughs> 60 bucks. <laughs> so now we're, we're, we're getting back to the car. Checking we're checking our bank, our bank records. <laughs> so was like, it six? It, it was okay. six. Okay. But I'm like, he's way too happy for six. So I'm like, it's either six or 60, 600. I don't know what it was. Hey, but. listen, man, I, uh, having a mother who's who worked <clears> in her service industry her whole life, I, I appreciate good tippers and six bucks, <laughs> six bucks on, on 25 or 28. It's a good, it's a good tip. Yeah, it's all right. We got to anyway. There's a bunch of stories where I can rant, but there was a there was a guy that was at our in our team. Uh, he brought some good useless knowledge to our uh, thing, which was great. But I was talking about the tip, and we were kind of laughing at it, whatever. And we said, "Well, they're volunteers." And he said, "Well, if I knew they're volunteers, I wouldn't have tipped them anything." And oh, I, and I was like, "What?" Angela, I look at each other like, "Hold on, that doesn't make any sense." If they're a volunteer, you tip them more because yeah. they're not getting anyway. Not getting paid. Yeah. I think that was lost, but he knew okay. which country had was bordered the most other countries or something like that. So he brought something to the table, but it wasn't uh, etiquette. <laughs> That's tough, man. All right. Last thing before we get into the AFC North, I uh, just want to see if you were aware, uh, as you were driving here probably, I uh, was watching the tail end of it, but Justin Verlander threw his second no-hitter versus the Jays in his career. Oh, wow. First one with the Tigers? Uh, first one with the Tigers. He just uh, finished it off. It was him and Bichette, the last at bat. So we flipped it on. I got the little notification saying Verlander's throwing a no-hitter. And we flipped it on. It was Bichette was the last out. 
very hard fought. Yeah. But the last out actually went to the third baseman, Toro, the guy from Long Gay. Yes. Threw it out the first. No uh, hitter. Epic. Two nothing. Two nothing. Hey. Yeah. No shame in losing to Verlander. He's a, he's gotten better with age. He was starting to dip his. He had lost some velocity towards the end of his time with the Detroit. But uh, he's really ramped it up. He was again. just under 120 pitches, I think, and uh, even some of those he was, you know, reaching back. So he was still up around 96, 97 wow. at a couple of those. Uh, there, anyway. uh, them and the Twins are going to be them. The a, the AFC, geez. the American League is going to be fun to watch, even though the Jays aren't in it with the Twinkies and and we'll again we'll probably do a podcast as this uh, as oh, it comes we have closer, to. But I mean, the the home run, uh, the Twins just broke a record for home runs. Oh, I wasn't aware as of that. a team. So the Twinkies are uh, solid, and the A's I think are fighting for a wild card. There's some fun teams to watch. There's some fun ones coming mm. up uh, with the Jays being out oh. and this time of year. Uh, my attention has changed a little bit, and maybe you know to what, but I'm not going to give any hints. Wait a second. <laughs> and we are live and from we- Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> by Brent Musburger, by the yeah. way. Alabama versus Florida. <laughs> Coming to you from Gainesville. Oh, Dilly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so college football uh, is on, and uh, my Saturdays are busy. <laughs> Officially busy. Yeah. Uh, so without coaching, yeah, uh, college football. I just got the, uh, the internet streaming service from a gentleman I know. Uh, it works wonderfully. I get every single game you can oh. imagine. It's like 20, 25 bucks. I get all the NFL, everything. It's got, actually very good. I got a question to ask you about yeah. the college football. So yesterday, um, I, Tulsa lost to, I believe, Michigan State, 28-7. Okay. to seven. Not, not a blowout by any not means. Not a blowout, no. But they ended up running for minus 73 yards. <laughs> 73 so, or 78 or something like that. So yeah. how, how is that possible? And, and uh, a, a friend of mine, Derek Mahoney, who follows us on our, on our Facebook page. What up, Derek? He, mess, he messaged saying that in college football, sacks count, sacks count as run yards. That's is correct. That, so is that why? I didn't check the, the sack stats. I didn't have a, a chance to go through it. But is that likely why they ran for minus 73? Or did, well, I mean, that's I didn't definitely see part of it. Um, but I mean, even backwards? getting sacked... How many? I mean, Let's you, get you get sacked ten times. If you're dropped back at uh, shotgun, yards. you take another couple steps. It could happen. Uh, obviously, did happen. Um, I did not watch that game, but it's I did see stat. the stats, and uh, yeah, fairly crazy. I did watch the Oregon uh, Auburn game last night, which was entertaining to say the least. Um, Auburn came back. Auburn came back uh, with the rookie quarterback, freshman quarterback. Um, you know, uh, Oregon had got a, a interesting call at one point two or lack thereof, but they Auburn still came back and uh, and won the game. And um, you know, I've I've never been a big Oregon fan to say the least. So me either. Um, always happy, and I got I got to cheer for the SEC. I got chirped this morning from a couple of guys who are Notre Dame fans, and they were just like. It must suck having to cheer for a conference. I'm like, you have to cheer for a conference in college football. Everything, because it's not like the NFL where there's a, a, a real elaborate playoff system. Everything comes down to uh, ratings and rankings. So if your conference is stronger and you do well in that conference, you get moved up faster. If your conference sucks and everybody in your conference is losing and you, and you end up being the best person in that conference, it's still doesn't propel you as far forward. So you need to have, basically, uh, as a Florida Gator fan, everybody on Florida's schedule, I need them to win 
until Florida plays them. My ideal situation is everybody goes undefeated except for losing to Florida. Interesting. And then you say, you know what? These guys are beating other real strong teams, and Florida still beat them. Um, and it's it's a game in that sense. So, uh, you know, I always have an issue with Notre Dame and stuff because they're not in a conference. And um, I think the funny thing was right. in college in college basketball, they uh, there's a lot of the same premise, right? Like, you know, you play, and I follow Georgetown, but they play in the Big, big East, and typically the teams in the Big East are not very strong, especially in the last decade. You know, the Syracuse of the world and the and right. St. John's, they're not strong teams. They're not, they're not strong schools anymore. So, you know, you beat St. John's twice a year, you end up with a 20 and 11 record, which is pretty good, usually good enough to get you in the dance, but you've beaten Villanova and St. John's. Right. You've lost to Villanova, who's usually number one, and you've, you've beaten St. John's. So I get what you're saying. I, college football, I'm just now getting in, into it. I think the problem with me has always been in college basketball, you can, you can hang your hat on a player like, you know, out of the five or seven guys in the rotation that play a lot, you know, one star gets all the promo in, in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Whereas in football, unless you're the quarterback or a stud receiver, you really have to know the personnel and you have to follow the game and there's 8,000 teams. So it's hard to follow for a guy like me, but because you've been so passionate about it over the last couple of years, I'm just now trying to get in, more involved on the weekends and sit at home and watch a bit more college football because I love the strategy behind college football. I love the different formations and the there's a bit more. It's a bit more of a chess match. I find it's uh, the the level of creativity that is allotted in the college game um, far supersedes that of the NFL. Oh, um, the fact that. Every weekend actually means something. So we talk about like teams again. We're trying to keep this as a short episode. You start talking college football, and I won't go too far into it. But what I'm gonna and we're gonna sit down and we're gonna watch games together one Saturday. Um, bring your PJs. We're just going a good. I like that. You know, well, I'm, 16, I'm moving 17 here, hours. So okay. Well, then I'll right. come over and visit because okay. just so everyone knows, I don't live right. with my father. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although my, sometimes I think my wife wishes I did. That's, anyway. Uh, Um, Yeah, so every game means something in terms of trying to be a national champion. So the the passion that you would have for watching a Steeler game, you would have that same passion if you were watching a Bengals-Ravens game and you knew that you were playing, you need, uh, the Bengals were rated higher than the Steelers. You needed the Ravens to beat the Bengals so that the Steelers can jump them in the standings yeah. and keep moving. Regardless of how the Steelers do against them, you need to have those. And so you start watching with as much intensity as you would your own team. And because of that, it feels like uh, whatever it is, 12 weeks of playoffs, of NFL playoffs. Because every week. Every week yeah. can be one, one team goes down in a fluke game against a team they shouldn't have uh, lost to, and that could technically be their season, whereas the Patriots lose to the the Bengals in week three. Who cares? They still make the playoffs exactly. and do it. You're just kind of buying time until you get there. What um, There was an upset yesterday in college football. Oh, there's plenty of upsets. There was, but there was, there was one that was more than the other. Um, I can't remember who it was. Well, but Georgia State beat Tennessee. That's the one. That's the one. Um, On the road. So they were it in was in Tennessee. Tennessee. So I mean, that's an SEC team. Now is Tennessee that great? No. Um, well, I mean, Auburn over Oregon. Auburn was preseason ranked 16 to Oregon's 11. So technically, that was an upset. Even though I think Auburn might have been, but that's a perfect. Oh my God, I'm really getting off I know, topic. That's my bad. Last, but the that game last night when you talk about you know strategies and stuff. 
player to player, Auburn is more talented. I think most people would agree. I mean, Oregon is very good. Their offensive line is actually really, really good, and a lot of them are transfers from SEC schools. But Auburn has a lot of – their athleticism is, is there. But Oregon came out, and they run this very high-tempo, high-speed, you know, very confusing type offense, and especially in a week one where there's no film on you. I mean, Oregon's had that style for a while, but still it's new personnel, and you see how yeah. they react. And Auburn in the first half was kind of chasing their tail a lot. Um, so – that's just stuff you don't see and you don't get in the NFL. You know what's funny? I uh, again, I, know I understand we don't want to talk too much about college football, but I change the, the topic. This is a college I, football I got, podcast. Got, just, yeah. Screw the AFC North. <laughs> you know Steelers, AFC win. Steelers win exactly. <laughs> um, Chip Kelly. Did you, I thought the biggest mistake he made for his career personally was leaving Oregon because they were a juggernaut when he was there, and mm. they seemed to have kept that that system that he impl- implemented. It was the you know run as many plays as you can and uh, don't let the defense have a chance to adjust. That reminds me of a team from the early nineties that um, lost four Super Bowls. That was the last time we really saw a team not coached by Chip Kelly try something new in the NFL, and, and their whole premise was we're not going to huddle. We're going to get right to the line, mm-hmm. and Jim Kelly is going to call the play. And you know, I remember watching uh, the first the first year, the first Super Bowl they played Oakland. Uh, Oakland at the time they were the Los Angeles Raiders, and uh, Howie Long by the by the second quarter had gone up to Jim Kelly after a, another touchdown and said, "You, you got to slow it down. I'm dying. I'm dying. Like you got to slow slow this pace down. I'm di- uh, we can't keep up. What are you guys doing? This is like this isn't football, but." You know, they, there was a trendsetter, and that was literally the last time an NFL team tried something different. You know, we've seen yeah. we've seen the greatest show on turf, but really all that was <clears> was <throat> adding another receiver and, and losing the fullback. Yeah, a bit more of a spread feel at that point. Yeah, but it, I think the Ravens might be doing a little bit of that just because they're forced to. It's not really a... Um, you know, it's not a new uh, ingenuity in terms of uh, running no. an, an offense, but it's they're they're open to the fact of changing what their system is in order to cater to the players they have. Uh, personnel, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's my frustration with the NFL uh, from a fan standpoint. And after you know uh, abandoning the the Bills back uh, with the Rob Johnson thing, oh. um, you know, I really dove right into the college football and obviously, you know, with my recruiting process and playing down there and all that kind of stuff, you know, I had a different uh, take on things, but I just absolutely fell in love with it from a from a fan perspective. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's the excitement every week for yep. me. Anyway. I'm, I'm with you there, buddy. And it's the discussions. You know, yeah, now I'm we're sure. doing this kind of stuff. Like, yeah. everything's open to interpretation. Everybody has discussions. It's not like, you know what? The Patriots are going to win anyway. They're in the in the playoffs because they're seven and whatever or nine and seven. Um, you know, there's discussions. There's arguments. There's passion behind everybody's things. Yeah. And, um, and anyway, college football is a lot of fun. You're going to learn to enjoy it. And especially on Saturdays when you watch those uh, college game day and all the signs they have in the oh, back. Oh, I saw the uh, 1,000 uniform yes. combinations. 7,000 uniform combinations and zero national championships. <laughs> Talking about Oregon, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So. Should we take a quick break and have a sip of our Coke, re-get, regroup? And yeah, we have to. Come Let's... back to uh, the AFC North, which uh, uh, is going to be a very interesting division this year. We'll be right back. And we're back. <laughs> what, is there no playing music? 
Uh, no, because I well, played the, sort of the go out music last, and oh, then right. I stopped it, and then we right we come back. Oh, so. sorry. <laughs> Speaking of, I got uh, my nephews working on some original break music for us. Oh, right on. Yeah, we'll see. Love it. When he's got time. AFC North guys and gals, I've been following the AFC North for twenty five years. Literally twenty five years. When I was eighteen, and I was uh, <clears throat> sitting in my basement. Wanting to follow up on, uh, you know, the upcoming rosters. We didn't have Google back then. There was no internet. There was no nothing. You know, you bought a magazine to find out who was on the roster. So, what'd you buy a magazine for? Um, the a- <laughs> football. <laughs> <laughs> I was eighteen. That's good. That's a good question. <laughs> um, but you know, I remember buying the sporting news and whatever I could get my hands on, Sports Illustrated, just to see who was on the roster. Now we have Google, thankfully, and we have updated depth charts as of yesterday. The teams made a bunch of cuts. Uh, to trim their rosters down to 53 to get ready for the season. And uh, the AFC North, uh, you know, I have watched it religiously as you have watched college football. I have watched the AFC North religiously. And I've watched every every one of these teams beat each other up for basically the the last 20 years, including Cleveland. You know, they haven't had a very, you know, uh, they haven't had a lot of success, but... You know, they've been competitive for a lot of these games. They don't get blown out. They've always at least fielded a good enough defense. So the AFC North just has beaten each other up. The Ravens and the Steelers might be the hardest-hitting rivalry in the NFL. I don't know of any other rivalry that is as angry and as mean as that one. You know, you can go back to the Packers and Bears. Like, that goes back 60 years. But when we talk about pure hatred and meanness, you know... you think about Ray Lewis, you think about the bus, you think about Joey Porter. Ed Reed. Ed Reed. I mean, and I'm naming off names, and we're starting off, by the way, with the Baltimore Ravens, and I don't think since I've been following them with Ray Lewis when they won the Super Bowl back in 2000 that this team has gone through the transition that they've gone through ever, on specifically on the defensive end. Now, Brock, you're, you know, you're going to talk off. We'll talk offense first, but when we talk about the key losses to their to their team, it's almost, it's exclusively defense. They lost Darius Smith, C.J. Mosley, Terrell Suggs, and Eric Weddle. That is the heart and soul of your defense, and they're all gone. And the only one left from last year is Pernell McPhee. Mm. Um, so it's it's next man up situation for them. I think they just decided, look, we're going to, especially with Suggs, who's been there 15 years, and Weddle, both those guys are aging, but they didn't want to pay Mosley, and Zadarius Smith could wreak havoc. So it's going to be interesting to see what those guys, uh, how they handle those losses on the defensive end. Those guys are like their defensive captains. Um, they drafted Marquise Brown. Could you tell us a little bit about him? Because he's slotted to play. Uh, he's their receiver one on their depth chart. Hollywood? Yeah. And that's his nickname. Hollywood. I uh, was just watching. Is he big? Is he fast? Is he? Oh, he's fast. He fast. took the top off a few defenses, and uh, he actually made Baker Mayfield look really good. Uh, sorry, Kyler Murray in a variety of situations. I was watching the uh, the Heisman show, not to bring back to college, but yeah. they, had a, <laughs> they had a lot of, the whole show is going to be like, so in college. In college. <laughs> anyway, uh, they were showing a lot of his highlights, and uh, I immediately went to my uh, – uh, my fantasy football app to see uh, his availability and see, uh, but I know he's a little bit banged up right now. So uh, it depends on when he gets back full, but it, it, I really picture the Baltimore offense running through Lamar Jackson, obviously he's a quarterback, but like the, the run option. So it'll be run, run, run. 
And as soon as that defense makes that adjustment to bring another guy in the box to kind of stop that, it'll be a play action and it'll be Hollywood over top. And if he can get, you know, one or two of those a game, that really keeps the defense honest. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be exciting. But uh, if it's... uh, if it's patient, I think it'll be uh, fairly effective. Well, it was last year. You know, they yeah. went on a run last year after Flacco got hurt and uh, they threw in But Jackson. you know what all those coaches are doing, right? So all those NFL coaches, the defensive coaches, most of them went through college. That's fine. But when you're in the league for a long time, you're adjusting to how the league plays. Now the Baltimore Ravens are running an offense that is more similar to a college offense uh, than an NFL one. So in a bit of a turn, I guarantee these defensive coordinators, especially AFC North ones, are probably meeting and working with university coaches who run that type of offense and say, what's going to be effective to stop you? How do we do that? And, you know, it's a constant knowledge sharing that goes through coaches. And I think that this year, obviously, the defenses, we're going to see them bring something out in terms of just dealing with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. And I think last year they didn't really have that deep threat. And I think this year with, uh, uh, with Hollywood, they might actually have that. I know they got rid of like Michael Floyd and stuff. So some people thought he might've been one of those guys. John, John Brown was a guy they picked up last year from Arizona and they, he's also gone. Yeah. yeah he's with Buffalo. I, think. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they also, uh, I'm looking on their depth chart. They have two rookies essentially playing uh, at wide receiver this year, so I think you're right. I think they're going to lean heavily on the on the, the RPO. That's Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin. Yeah, they got rid you of know. Joe Horn Jr. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting team. And I look at their offensive line. And again, we're going to try to stay on the offensive side here for another minute or two. Is that offensive line is has always played well under under John Harba. Marshall Yanda, uh, their, their right guard Matt Skura, their center yep. Ronnie Stanley is a good left tackle. Orlando Brown Jr. is an interesting guy. He's interesting. Um, his dad is—is is his dad the guy that threw the flag and hit the referee in the eye? He, I yeah. think it might be his dad. Well, yeah, he was a Raven. He was uh, well, Orlando Brown, I think was yeah, his name too. I believe it was him and uh, the late Orlando Brown. But uh, yeah, actually, I think that yeah, in Cleveland, yeah, through referee. And then uh, the very next year, they changed it to instead of having this little square weight, they had the big beanbag That's thing. Right. So if you got hit in the eye, it just yeah, the referee like threw a flag at him by accident, right? Oh, he got hit in the eye. Yeah, yeah he got hit, he in the hit the eye. Ref- yeah. yeah, the ref threw it, and it went through <laughs> his face mask and got, like, that little square weight got caught in his eye somehow. Yeah, it affected his vision, I think, for a good year. Anyway. Anyway, yes, that's his, uh, that's his kid. Uh, and this Brown is a monster. Um, you know, I think we already talked about it in, uh, in terms of the NFL draft and stuff like that. He's not... He did not perform well the draft. He is not the strongest weight room guy. Yeah. He is not the quickest of feet. Yeah. He is not the most agile, but he is proving me wrong and proving most people wrong in terms of how he's doing it on the field. He's a very big body. He's yep. got a very big reach um, and does what he needs to do. Yep. And, and you know what? Uh, uh, Alejandro Villanueva is the same kind of player. Left tackle for the Steelers. He's 6'8". Didn't didn't test super well in in uh, the two twenty five bench, you know. Uh, I would say average speed, but he's he's long, keeps guys at, at arm's length, quick hands, and uh, you I'd know. I'd like to apologize to Villanueva 
um, for that comment. Maybe he's dealing with it, maybe not the top athleticism, but if you were to see, I don't know if you remember Orlando Brown's uh, combine clips uh, where do. he's running the 40 yeah. and they slow-moed it down, and it was like, I'm a big dude, and so slow motion, my running down is not going to be any prettier, <laughs> but... His was ugly. Ugly? Yeah. Uh, and I was like, why are you doing that to him? Like, don't slow it down, slow-mo, and like, you know, the, anyway. We get it, you know, we yeah. got it. Not not great, but I, he's great. Like, he's, as a player, and he took it in stride, and he got to, you know, probably the best fit he could have ever asked for, because he grew up with that organization. Yeah. And uh, right tackle, you know, takes some heat off him. So, um, yeah, with Stanley, I think, uh, yeah. Uh, Brown's a, a good bookend for him. In years past, the uh, the Ravens again. I've watched a ton of Ravens, ton of Ravens over the years, and their tight ends are big and their offense really big. Um, you know, they have Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, and Hayden Hurst playing tight end at any point during the game. All three could be in the uh, on the field. Um, it's an in, it's very interesting offense that they run, and it is it is a, a throwback, but with a, a current twist to it. So. You know, three three tight ends, one probably in the backfield, two on the line, and and one ride receiver. I would not be shocked to see that formation with these guys. I don't think, contrary to what people are thinking, I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to get out there and sling it. I just don't see it. You know, no. I don't. It's not his style of game. Um, he's still he's only getting his second year. So clearly, based on their personnel packages here, I, I just I don't see it. I see them going big. And Mark Andrews going to have a big year. Mark Andrews going to have a big year. Very yeah. very good tight end. Yeah. Um, so their offense, I think, is going to be what they are. Um, keep the score low, um, time possession, and uh, <clears throat> rely on their special teams. But I'm looking at their well, – let's move on to their defense, Brock, unless you want to – No, that's uh, fine. Their defense, um, other than Brandon Williams and Pernell McPhee, uh, I got to tell you, I mean, well, their secondary is uh, always going to be good because they've replaced uh, Weddle with uh, Earl Thomas. Jimmy Smith is still a perennial pro, pro bowler. Tony Jefferson is a good safety, above average safety, and and Marlon Humphrey is a, a decent corner. But the rest of their players, I have no idea who these guys are. And that's just for the first time in 20 years, I can't tell you who Chris Warmly is, Michael Pierce, uh, Matthew Judon, I do know. He's outside linebacker, so he's a holdover from, from last year. Patrick Onwusor. Hmm. <laughs> Chris Board. Hmm. Chris Sounds Board. Uh, I, these guys are, and then they're, they're second tier guys. I don't know any of them. And this is the first time. So there's a lot of turnover on that Ravens defense. And that is a, that was a stout defense that prided themselves on, you know, uh, we're going to hold, you're not going to run on us. So I, I don't know what these guys are. Brandon Williams is an above average defensive end. Um, can you tell me anything about these guys, Brock? Do you know any of the names? Uh, well, I was going through and crossing off guys that, uh, were getting released, um, and one guy that I'm glad wasn't released was uh, was that uh, I guess it's Dalen Dalen Mack Dalen Mack yeah that's how you nose tackle it. Yeah, yeah out of Texas A and M he's like six one three twenty like <clears throat> one boy. of those one of those low center gravities hard to move um, but he's he's pretty agile like uh, for a dude his size I mean you know an SEC kid so I got a chance to see him a few times and. Um, you know, I, I know that he gave the, the Florida offensive line some fits back in the day, too, and just, like, just hard to move. So you got to you gotta run around him. So it's going to be his supporting cast, though. Like, he's just – he's a plugger. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, I know they got rid of a couple of the guys. Like I thought that uh, Silas Stewart might have stuck around, but he got released. Um, again, we don't we don't know if these guys end up on the practice squad. By the way, these are just guys true. that are on the on the on the the fifty three man. Yeah. So no, and whatever with the Ravens. I mean, if the, if the Ravens this year may not have been too bad, but say next year and they still had Suggs and Weddle. Um, I mean, Mosley was kind of young, but those two guys, let's say, uh, they're getting at a point where they, they've peaked. You yeah. know what I mean? So at some point, well, the bell curve says you're coming down. No and, doubt. Uh, you know, maybe the Ravens made the right call here, and, and it's uh, it's let the guys who've learned from them last year and maybe years before that too uh, start to show what they got. And, uh, you know, we'll see what if it pays off or not, really. I thought the, I thought the Ravens <clears throat> did right by Suggs. They, uh, he wanted to go back home. He's from Arizona. So, you know, he's happy there. They interviewed him. He's, he's ecstatic to be playing in front of his family and in his hometown. So maybe he, maybe he requested it. Who knows? I, I, it, it doesn't seem like it was an ugly breakup. I think the, both, both parties knew it's time, for to move, time to move on. Move on. And then yeah. if, you, yeah, if, you help, if you give him, say, look, it's time to move on. And, you know, what do you want? And we, if we can make that happen, then great. Then we're both happy. Yeah. So good on him. Yeah. Uh, Harbaugh's not uh, has any GM power, does he? I don't think he does. Okay. No, Ozzie Newsom is no longer there, so that's a big loss. Uh, maybe, maybe what we're seeing with some of this turnover is has a little bit to do with the fact that Ozzie Newsom isn't there guys. anymore. They're not his guys, so we'll <clears throat> see. But I mean, the fact that they have Judon and McPhee still uh, bookending the uh, the outside linebacker position um, that is some turnover, some uh, holdover from last year's squad because they played really strong defense last year. So. We'll see how it goes. It doesn't look like they can they can sustain any injuries. Um, so we've talked about this at nausea. Like, oh yeah, you know, injuries are gonna are gonna is a war of attrition in the NFL. So I think it's really you and I just maybe didn't think of it as being that much because you know when you're when you're now dealing with it depth seems charts, obvious. We're looking at the depth chart and really looking into it. We're like, ah, fuck. There's nobody behind. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta do you do your best. Yeah. Defensively though, I mean, with Don Martindale running the show, like. They'll be good. Yeah. They're going to be good. It's a system thing. Yeah. These guys, you know it. And that's the biggest thing with defense. You know, you have your stars, but you need to have guys that you don't know. We don't know. Yeah. You know? There's, there's, I mean, there's a couple of X factors, too, with the guys we do know. Can Earl Thomas stay healthy? No. Oh, you know, I mean, he's yeah. been injured all the time. So if, he's, can, if he stays healthy and he, and he plays, you know, 90% of what he's been. He's what was their contract, you know? Think it's I think it's like a incentive heavy contract. Is it? If I, if okay. Well, then again, I have to look that up. Kudos but. to to the Ravens for yeah. setting things up that way. Um, I know special teams. We don't spend a ton of time on special teams, but in the AFC North, when the weather gets bad, you know, you play in Pittsburgh twice a year. Yep. That field is hard to kick on on a good day, right by the water. You know, the the, the Heinz Field is notorious because they share the field with the University of Pittsburgh. Like that field gets chipped up, so. You know, and in Cleveland, in Cleveland, and Cincinnati, in in, the, in November, it's not friendly weather. In December, it's even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a special breed. You know, and yeah, into that. yeah. So kicking is important, and the Ravens have probably the best kicker Justin and punter. Justin Tucker and, and their punter is they're both the best in the NFL. Um, Sam Koch, he's. I mean, I, you tell me uh, a better duo kicker punter. I mean, so they're winning the field position every time. There, he Tucker's automatic from fifty, so that plays a big difference. And if you look at the, and again, I'm not gonna, I don't want to compare everything to Pittsburgh. Here we go. But I will because <laughs> last year Chris Boswell cost them two games. He missed a field goal against Oakland, and he missed a field goal. I, I think it was against Chicago. Um, 
those the, the one against Oakland in particular would have put them in the playoffs. So you, your kicker is important in the AFC North, really important. So uh, they're going they're still going to be the you know uh, top quality uh, in terms of their special teams. Uh, their returners, they've got Chris Moore and Morgan Cox with Willie Sneed. I, I don't know too much about I feel I feel like the return game is less and less important now with kickoffs being basically useless. Um, you know, punt returning is still a thing, but I rarely see a, a, even an opportunity to do that. Kickers are so good these days. They can so good. They can the, the high. coverage teams are so good. They're yeah. so quick. Um, you know, there's just too much risk in trying to return when sometimes, yeah, you know absolutely. what? That the coordinators and coaches are just like, just fair catch it and catch it. Yeah. And that's why uh, I forget, was it Cole Beasley? I don't know. If somebody was returning and we were like, oh, surprise. I was like, well, he's, if he's got good hands, all you want is a guy who can catch the ball, focus on it, not yeah. drop it. It doesn't matter what his return uh, abilities are because you're not going anywhere. Just catch the damn ball. Anyway. Um, yeah, the Ravens uh, play that very well. Defense and special teams, and then it's a uh, you know pray pry on uh, mistakes, and, and they do it well, and they do it well, man. Like that was it, that last year's team. They were not loaded with a lot of talent on offense, and they and they made the playoffs. You know, they need guys to buy into that system too. That that ideology of what your team consists of and what it's built on. So if you get a guy like even you know Marquise Brown. He's used to coming from Oklahoma, very high-powered offense where you're like, you know what, we're going to win 61 to 60. You know, that's a, for a kid like that to come in, you got he's got to understand, he's got to buy in that that's not going to happen. Yeah. If if you get in the end zone once and then the offense can get another field goal or two, that could be all it takes because the the this team is built around special teams and defense and we just need to make do our part. Yeah. Buy in the system, do what we're expected to do yeah. and leave it at that. And yeah. the Ravens do that very well. I, do, I don't see any of their receivers having a hundred, hundred catches this year. Maybe the only team in the NFL you could say that about other than Miami. I don't know another team in the NFL that may not have a hundred <laughs> catches, a hundred catch receiver. So it's funny you bring up Miami. Cause yeah, we <laughs> talked about that again. We're going to wrap this yeah. segment up uh, with the Ravens. It's over. Yeah. Uh, dolphins are selling the farm, so any protection that those quarterbacks had oh. is basically out the window. Um, I forget it was uh, Paulo who brought up said, "You know, we got two quarterbacks now who are not injury prone, um, which is a change for the for Miami." But you, you trade away your offensive line, three of them, I think. So I, I don't understand what Miami had: Tunsil and Mike Pouncey, Tannehill. Devontae Parker, Landry, and Stills at some point in their right. uh, in the last two and a half years, and they're all gone. They and that, they overlap like they were all in the same squad at one point. I think I, I don't like, and they made the playoffs. So you know, to to rid themselves of Tannehill, I thought was the, was a, a big mistake. I don't. He's young enough still to be an effective NFL quarterback. You just didn't. You just never. He just didn't have the right system in front of him. Anyway, let's let's talk about Baltimore's. Uh, let's just quickly go into Baltimore's. Oh, Schedule. What do we miss? Yes, guy. Let's do their schedule, and then we'll then we'll wrap it up. And uh, oddly enough, they start at Miami, which is, you know, I think both of us can agree that um, Miami's not going to win too many games. So Baltimore, according to my schedule, um, is going to come out come out the gate pretty well, but then they're going to fall on hard times. So why don't I just read out the schedule, and you and I can go through sure. it together, okay? Um, so they're at Miami. So it's a win. Yeah, they're um, whole. Hosting Arizona. That's a win. I have the same thing. They're at KC. 
They, they played well in KC last year. I just don't see it by week three. No, I think that's a loss. Yeah. They host Cleveland. I think that's a loss. You know what? I, that, I think it's early on. Cleveland's still going to be finding themselves. Um, they're at Pittsburgh. You know how I feel. All right, I'll they say a loss. Host Cincinnati. Win. It's a tough one. That's a tough one. At Seattle. Loss. By a week. Uh, host New England. I'm going to give them a win. At hosting New England? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, at Cincinnati. Interesting doesn't mean right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, at Cincy, I'll still say uh, a win. Okay. So just for our listeners, Brock Eight. and I aren't doing the exact same win-loss. I'm, I've his The couple times he said win, I've given L's. So just FYI. Um, they host Houston. Loss. Mm-hmm. At the Rams. Loss. Host San Francisco. I think San Francisco is going to suck shit, just personally. <laughs> give them a W there. I'll, yeah, I'll give them a W, too. At Buffalo. That's a tough one. Week 14. I'm going to give them a loss. I like it. Yep. Uh, host the Jets. I'm going to give them a... Ah, I'm going to give them that game. Yeah, same here. At Cleveland. I want to give a loss. Same. That's two to Cleveland from the same year. And then uh, they host Pitt. I think they beat Pittsburgh that one there. Last year? Last game, okay. But I think uh, Pittsburgh's already in the playoffs at that point. Three, four, five. I have them. Ooh, tough season for them on my uh, on my schedule. I have them 5-11. and 11. Ooh, I have an 8-8, eight and eight, which seems... Uh, 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 Actually, you know, in this AFC North, it could go either way with Cleveland and Cincinnati. And those guys are wild cards. We know Pitt, We know what Pittsburgh's going to be. We we they're they're a nine seven ten and six team, and they haven't changed their personnel that much. Um, we'll see what happens. So, and that's I mean, I gave them New England too, so that could be yeah. one that uh, whatever. That's kind of a risky thing. Uh, I seven and nine. At some point, they sort of surprise us, but it may also be for the negative versus positive. I just I just need to take a step back this year. Uh, all right. Okay. Uh, that's the Ravens. Let's take a break. We will be right back. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, I all right. And we are back. We, we are still poolside. It is still windy. It is still sunny. Fairly warm. This is about the best uh, possible weather to be doing this in. It's just a nice, nice breeze. Uh, the setup here is like phenomenal. Uh, there's a TV right in front of us, and we're watching the uh, as we talk here. We're watching Saskatchewan uh, up six versus Winnipeg to ten. Labor Day Classic. Uh, Labor Day Classic. This is the battle for first. If you could believe it, Saskatchewan started off zero and two, and they've won five in a row. Um, wow! I'm just uh, Cody Fajardo is just the real deal. So CFL eh? quarterback can come out of nowhere and be a stud. Dave Dickinson. Uh, Danny McManus, guys came out of nowhere yeah. and just had Hall of Fame careers. Maybe we're seeing the next Dave Dickinson here and uh, Cody Fajardo. Yeah, what you got right now is a steal, too. I think he's only like a hundred grand or something, wow. 150 grand. It was Zach Caleros that they signed and uh, broke his collarbone off that on that late hit in the first uh, game against Hamilton yeah. there. Uh, Simone Lawrence. He, Simone Lawrence broke his collarbone, and uh, that's been it. He's a history of uh, concussions or whatnot. But anyway, speaking of concussions... Um, the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> I'm like, who's got I a just have, uh, for the I'm just Vontez Perfect. Whenever the last five, six years, <laughs> when you say Cincinnati Bengals, I don't think about 
the redhead at the quarterback. I don't think about A.J. Green. Andy Dalton. I don't think yeah. about Marvin Lewis. I think the first guy that come up was either Fontes Perfect or Pac-Man Jones. Or Pac-Man Jones. And I think both of us can agree that the Bengals are it's, well, it's certainly going to be a transition year for them. They, for the first time in 17 years, they have a new coach. Um, so new system. They got rid of the some of the guys as with the, with questionable character on the field. I don't know what Bontez Perfect is like in the locker room. I don't know what Pac-Man Jones is like in the locker room. All I know is that they should have beat Pittsburgh a couple of years ago in the playoffs, and they literally, if you can self-destruct, if there was a definition of it, def, definition of it in the dictionary, that was the textbook way to self-destruct. You're up late. You've got Steelers at fourth and long, and you knock a guy out. <laughs> or you, or you, though I think Vontez Perfect celebrated a, 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 a pass play. He got a flag for celebrating. It was just a complete and utter wrong show. Was not on the field during that uh, incident and P- not get flagged? PZ got on late. Yeah, PZ got on late, and, yeah. uh, and he should have been pen- penalized for sure. But he got shoved around a couple of times. He shouldn't have been on the field. That, no, that's a flag. Have. That's a flag right away. But uh, but those guys went nuts, man. They just went absolutely berserk. So, you know, I'm looking at and that was this isn't the first time that you know they've cost the Bengals games in the past. Pac-Man Jones in particular. Um, so this could be addition by subtraction. I think they have no expectations this year. So you know, it's a dangerous. That's a dangerous thing for a team that's that's got nothing to lose. Uh, it's Dal- true. Dalton has won in the past. He's not. A, he's not a, you're a run-of-the-mill quarterback. He knows the system. Um, the key for us, and we both we were talking just while at break about uh, AJ Green's health. So he's the key, obviously, right? He's the he's going to be the key to their offense entirely. I I do. I really like Joe Mixon. Like they've got some pieces. You know, they won ten games not very long ago. So this isn't a team that's like completely, yeah, rebuilding. It's a. Uh it does. It runs through AJ. The passing game runs through AJ Green. AJ Green opens up space for the other receivers um, and gives Dalton uh, a bit of a, I don't want to even say security blanket. He's just a guy who can make plays. Um, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon's looked fairly good. Uh, he has the ability to be a, a three down back. Absolutely. Has all the skill sets. Um, you know, questionable college um, behavior with that whole incident with uh, punching the girl at the, the restaurant, whatever. Yeah. And That's kind of followed um, him around, eh? Yeah, it's definitely followed him around. I mean, you know, there, it, it hurt his draft stock 100%. Um, you know, I mean, even from a fantasy point, I had him and I was like, should I be drafting this guy? And uh, anyway, he's a good player. He's big. He runs well. Good hands. Great you hands. Know. Great hands. Um, yeah, he's a big dude. He's bigger yeah. than than I think I thought he was when he came out of college. It's a great combination with with uh, Gio Bernard. Uh, like that one two punch r- really reminds me of uh, the when they had uh, Lashawn McCoy and uh, and uh, Sproles out in uh, uh, in Philadelphia in for a couple of years. You know, they got the like uh, thunder and lightning kind of style. So. I mean, I think the running game is set. Quarterback, they're they're set. I mean, he's Andy Dalton's not a, he's not a Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's got a pedigree. He's got a, a history of winning. Um, my question for them is, what are they going to do on offense, like uh, outside of uh, the run game? Tyler Boyd's an up and coming receiver. John Ross the third. Uh, John Ross know, is that uh, speedy. 
Like he's a guy that ran like a, a sub four two, I think forty. Right. So everybody's waiting for him to explode because he should. Um, With Green on the field, I could see that happening. But if they're running out Tyler Boyd and Ross, you know, I, yeah, what? Are they, who's what? Like that's not none of those guys can really. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think Ross is going to run spectacular routes. Did he's, that uh, Damian Willis get uh, released? No, he's uh, he's uh, on their team. Okay, yeah, good receiver. Yeah, decent. Um, again, you need to have AJ Green in there to really uh, move things around. Really, really. Like yeah, it's yeah. I've never never. And all the teams that we're going to cover, I think AJ Green is the most important to his roster right now. That isn't quarterback. Uh, I would agree. Their whole line is good too, which was going to help. Cordy Glenn. Cordy Glenn's a good acquisition they got there. The Michael Jordan, the guard. Um, Trey Hopkins is playing at center. Yeah. John Miller. Another kid from Buffalo. Yeah. Um, not bad. I think the guy that I'm really interested to see what happens is, uh, and I got to find out the updated status, but that jo- uh, Jonah Williams, the, the tackle from Alabama, because. Uh, the depth chart that I had still have uh, in the uh, the pup list. He's out. He's out. Yeah, he's qu- he's uh, officially out. He's li- he's listed as a third third string and and uh, out. So I don't know what that okay. means. It, maybe he's out long term. He wasn't released or anything. No, though. he's on the team. Okay, okay. he's just out. Okay, because this ki- I g- I got to find out more about why he's in the situation he's in because I mean he's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's very good. So as soon as he gets healthy, back, whatever it happens to be, like he's going to be challenging these guys to get into the starting lineup one way or the other. And whether that's, you know, Bobby Hart, if, he, if it's a tackle type thing, or if he's pushing one of the interior guys to, uh, to take that spot, uh, he's going to contribute some way. Um, but I just, I just don't know what the whole backstory is there. I still can't find that. Anyway. Interesting. Well, we'll see. I think Tyler Eifert's health is uh, important to them as well. He was uh, a very, very good tight end before he got he got a pretty bad injury last year, and uh, that definitely affected him. Their their second string uh, tight end CJ Uzuma is uh, a good, but more of a blocking type tight end. Definitely so, more of a blocking. So and they're if they're running the game, the ball more. He's going to be in there. He's going to be in there. Double I mean, tight end sets for sure. Uh, Eifert, Eifert has always been a, a good blocker, just great hands, but uh, he's been injury-prone the last couple of years. So there's a couple of X factors there, but they need Eifert and Green on the field. Like that's, There's no doubt about it. I mean, mixing teams are just going to load up the box and uh, and have and dare Dalton to pass. So I think offensively, it's going to be really the X factor is going to be Green, so they can go one or t- one of two directions. They can, they can really struggle, or they can be uh, semi-competent as long as Green is on the field. So defensively, uh, a couple of holdovers. Geno Atkins, when he's healthy, is one of the best uh, defensive tackles in the NFL. Carlos Dunlap. Carlos Dunlap, a, a lanky, long guy with a lot of speed. I've seen enough of, of uh, Carlos Dunlap for one lifetime. Carlos, I'll tell you that right now. Good player. Carlos Dunlap costed the Florida Gators a back-to-back-to-back national championship, I think it was. What do you do? Penalties? Uh, no, he uh, got hammered, passed out in a car, a running car at a stoplight, and got arrested. Um, so he oh. got suspended for the game against Alabama, and uh, we ended up losing that game. I'm trying to think of what year that was. It might have been just for back-to-back or the undefeated season. One of the two, there was a uh, Florida had gone undefeated, I think, and then they were playing Alabama to get uh, Jeez. to the next level. Anyway. Carlos Dunlap was a difference maker in terms of pressuring the quarterback. 
Um, yeah, I forget if it was AJ McCarron. I think he had, you know, not all day because we saw some good guys, but Dunlop would have been in his face all day. And I think that would have changed the outcome of that game for sure. Um, but yeah, questionable uh, uh, actions by a Florida Gator. Yeah. Who, who knew? Who knew? Anyway, that's My a whole goodness. other episode. But that's anyway, wild. The guy is uh, very good. He's, he's effective and he's going to be. Uh, relied on a lot this year in terms of the Bengals' defense if they want to have any success. And look at their front, uh, their front, their front four. They play a base four three. Their front four is uh, they're going to be able to get to the quarterback or at least put some pressure on the quarterback. I don't think that's a problem. Um, I do that. Their biggest issue on defense is their middle linebackers. Right? They're actually their whole linebacking core. Uh, pre- other than Preston Brown, they've got Nick Vigil and Jordan Evans. They drafted Jermaine Pratt. Any any. Uh, any news on Jermaine Pratt? Because he's he's their uh, inside he's in linebacker. The, yeah, he's a third round at NC State. Um, good player. I mean, he's. Yeah. Uh, I have notes just saying like he's already moved up to the second string, which is uh, they're going to need him, which is good. I do like to see the old Hardy Nickerson Jr. Oh, Hardy there. Nickerson Senior is one of my favorite all-time Steelers. By the way, he he's. Is, I mean, he wasn't just Pittsburgh. Did he have been Jacksonville for a while too? Uh, yes, he w- yes he was in Jacksonville okay. as when they expanded. Then he went to Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl with um, uh, who was their stud, Derek Brooks. Derek. I Brooks. mean, they were loaded and Sap. They were loaded. Oh, I can't wait. For, okay, when we started doing the college football, there's another one that came out. Uh, seriously, this is all about uh, it's college uh, football. I know. It was I, like uh, with the best linebacker, and they had four pictures, and it was like uh, it was Derek Brooks. Um, LeVar Arrington. Uh, the other one was, remember Andy Katzenmoyer? Yeah, of course. And then the Boz. So it was those four. That's all they had kind of Lawrence put up Taylor, there. Did, Lawrence Taylor was a freak. They didn't put him up there? Maybe not. He's a freak as college much. player. Like, remember Katzenmoyer? Oh, he was not, He Fuck, was. Fuck, I hated beast. him. I he hated Ohio beast, State. Though. I still do. Oh. Katzenmoyer was all over the place, but in the NFL, it didn't really pan out much. Anyway. Don't don't get me started on any anybody from Ohio. Okay, let's okay, roll. That's great. Okay. Um, uh, secondary, just quickly go over there. Secondary, Drake or Patrick. Drake or Patrick's a known known entity. I like him. William Jackson, known entity. Sean Williams, hard hitting safety. Mm-hmm. Jesse Bates uh, is going to be replacing Pac Man. Um, you know, remains to be seen how they perform, but there's you know there's some quality there. And they've got some quality depth as well. B W Webb, um, Quest Denard is on their uh, team, but I have him. He's uh, he's out with an injury, but yeah, he'll he's uh, still in the. Uh well, I got uh, as the pup list as well. He's on the pup list, so. Yeah. But uh, the fact that he's there, and when he, if he comes back, he'll add a, a veteran presence to their team. But I, I really don't have a lot to say about this team. They are who they are. They're going through a coaching change, a philosophy change after 17 years with Marvin Lewis, uh, and crazy antics over the years with their players, and uh, they've had some questionable characters. It looks like they've cleaned things up and ch- trying to go in a different direction. I don't have a feel for for anything that they do this year, so. I, I just feel like with them and the Ravens, we'll be taking a step back in this AFC North. Um, so with that said, why don't we go over their... Oh, I'll just quickly talk about their... Really mention their, their kicker. Randy Bullock was a decent kicker. Kevin Huber. <laughs> Kevin Huber's got a hell of a leg. I'm just going to um, read this list real quick. And, let's and, that, and that's it. Uh, that's all I have to add. So um, let's just go over their team, their, uh, their schedule, Brock. And I'll let you read out the... Uh, all right, so I went ahead and uh, I already scored mine. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, okay. just in the, uh, you know, the, the efforts of keeping things uh, shorter. Yeah, j- uh, let's go rapid fire. I won't All even right. think about it. Uh, Cincinnati, so we're at Seattle. 
Loss. Loss. Uh, hosting San Francisco. I'll give him a W there. Yeah. At Buffalo. Loss. At Pittsburgh. Loss. At uh, hosting Arizona. <laughs> um, give him a W there. I lost. At Baltimore. Loss. At uh, hosting Jacksonville. Loss. Hosting the Rams. Loss. Bye week. Yeah. Host Baltimore. That's a tough one. I'm going to give him a. I'm going to give him a loss there. Uh, what did I do for Baltimore? I already said loss. Okay. Loss, yeah. uh, w at Oakland. W loss. Host Pittsburgh. Loss. Host the Jets. Give him. A, I'm going to give him a W there. At Cleveland. That's a loss. Uh, host New England. No chance. At Miami. W. Host Cleveland. I'll give him a W at the end of the year. By that time, who knows? Things will be set up. So one, two. I got three and five, thirteen. Is six. what I got. I got him at six and ten. And what was your Baltimore? Uh, five and eleven. All right, yeah, so you have right. them both. The whole like, oh, we're taking a step yeah. back. I got the Ravens at eight and eight, yeah. and then the Bengals taking a real step real back, step three back. and thirteen. And you know, my things right now is because I don't know when AJ Green comes back. If AJ Green comes back in week two, although I heard he's still in a walking boot right now, so we're a week away from week one. So that's at least two to three weeks, I yeah. think, for him just to start getting out of the boot and running and cutting. We're probably looking at week four, if that, at best-case scenario. They're not going into Seattle week one and getting a W. That's for damn sure without A.J. Green. So No. So anyway, uh, I haven't taken a real step back. Yeah, and these 6-10, and 5-11s, and 11s, I mean, we're talking – there's a variant of two games plus or minus eight. So they could be 8-8. They could be 8-8. Eight eight. They could be 4-12. and 12. Same thing with Baltimore, but I do think both these teams take a step back this year. Well, as we get, uh, we do them in the season, we'll run through all the games of that week, and we'll call them again. So these are like very preseason. I say very because we're four days away from preseason. Well, cut, the cuts just happened, and, might expect, and then, you know, their practice rosters and whatnot and injuries. But. but as we get to see them, too, obviously we'll understand a bit more and see what their offense looks like and how sure. they're gelling, and we can make those picks, and we'll uh, – I say we make those picks together, and then we play them on pro line – and if we're ever good, boom. You got a money of soundbite, something money-wise? I don't, but we're both, sure. we're both rubbing <laughs> our fingers. This. <laughs> like, we got cash, money but no. Man's, money men's ill. You know what? I, if uh, I had more money, I would get more sound effects. All right. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we are back. Back, baby. With uh, arguably the most talked about team in the NFL this offseason, the uh, Cleveland Browns, Brock. So to make a point, we are going to talk nothing about them. <laughs> moving on <laughs> to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Moving on. <laughs> Ten and six, boom, we're out of here. Um, Cleveland Browns, wow. I, you know, they ended the season last year on a roll. They Had they beaten... Uh, Baltimore last uh, last game of the season they would have finished with a with a, um, a winning record they also would have gotten Pittsburgh in the playoffs but they uh, actually made a game of it Baker Mayfield uh, looked really really good last year with uh, certainly without the the cast of characters he has right now so as we all know Cleveland made a trade with the uh, New York Giants over the offseason to uh, acquire Odell Beckham Jr. one of the best receivers in the nfl great hands i think the question with odell has always been stuff off the field really or just or even on the field but just you know pouting and body language that stuff goes a long way with a young team but at the end of the day he's got great hands 
He's a top flight receiver. He's got good size, runs great routes. And uh, for all intents and purposes, had a good camp. And, uh, you know, they've gelled pretty well. So I just, I think he's got to get off the New York, uh, whatever disdain he has for New York. Leave Eli alone. There's been some talk, a, a GQ interview where he, he bashed Eli and Eli replied back saying, well, look, uh, we were pretty good before you got here. Like, you know, they did win two Super Bowls. So I think he just has to let it all go and show some class and just move on, you know? Yeah. Let the the Giants thing go. You have a new team. Focus on that. Right. Uh, Phenomenal player. I think Baker Mayfield is the key component for the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, at the time of that draft – I thought it was ridiculous that the Browns did not take Saquon Barkley. And then they had a third pick, I think. I think it was – they had first and third maybe that that draft. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'm looking at the board. I say, fuck, pick up a running game. And that was Saquon Barkley and then Quentin Nelson. And start there. Baker Mayfield was the right pick for the Cleveland Browns. His attitude, his underdog persona, um, chip on his shoulder that he brings to the Browns uh, resonates with that whole city, um, with anybody who's been on that team longer than a year or two. Yeah. And I think that mentality and that, uh, I don't want to say swagger, because until you... They haven't, a, they haven't had a quarterback with swagger uh, ever. I think <sighs> even when they had Bernie Kosar, he wasn't the swaggery type. They no, ran he wasn't the ball. The swaggery type. They ran the ball. Like so, they haven't had a quarterback <laughs> in Cleveland in my lifetime. He's uh, anyway. I listen. It's a perfect pick. Yeah. I'm very excited to see what they do this year. Yeah. Um, I I think they're going to have quite the turnaround and quite the step forward. I think Odell brings uh, a huge component to the passing game. I think. Uh, Landry won't be as uh, relied on, uh, but I think it's going to open up a lot of spaces. So what he does well is those short timing routes. Give me the ball and let me make something happen in space. He's going to have more space because of Odell's presence alone. Um, yeah. One of the biggest uh, – they just cut a few guys, obviously. And, uh, yeah, I, I said damn it when I was doing it. It was that uh, Damon Sheehy Giuseppe. That whole story oh, where the guy they cut was him. homeless. And, they yeah, cut him. The guy who returned the, punts? Yeah, he was on the cut list. I don't know if they're going to put him on the practice roster or something. I don't know what the the plan is, if anything, but I just saw him on the uh, uh, the, the cut list. So be tough. That was a, it's a tough roster to make. You know, they're, they're it's pretty a very loaded. tough they're roster, loaded, you know? especially as a receiver. Yeah. When, I mean, you, when you start picking some of these Taewon guys got Taylor and Callaway, and, uh, you know, they got some Callaway's guys. Callaway's got his own issues. He's suspended for four games, I think, yeah. is what uh, it is, Florida yeah. kid. But the... Um, athleticism and potential and, and ability that Callaway has is just it's, it's one hot. You, you have to well, fine sit for four weeks and we're going to put you in there and I think he's going to everybody in the receiving core is going to benefit from having a guy like Odell on the roster absolutely you know I'm, I'm going to start with their run game I mean I think personally they're uh, you know they dealt Duke Johnson they're going to go with Nick Chubb uh for the first eight weeks, uh, Kareem Hunt, I've talked about him in the past, about him being a top five running back in the NFL, and he is. When he comes back, he's going to make that offense as potent as Kansas City's. And I say that because 
you know, Kansas City has Tyreek Hill, but they really don't have a, a second receiver. They don't have a Landry. They can't roll out a Landry and a, a Beckham. A Landry, a Beckham, a Callaway a when he's healthy. And Hunt. Over top. And, and then have Hunt out of the backfield? Listen, that's, that is a potent offense. So, you know, and they, they do have, they, they still have Joel Batonio. They still have a, a very to- a top flight uh, offensive line. David Njoku is a, a bit of a wild card. He might be an X factor, you know, when, as teams sort of stock up and, uh, and uh, play the pass, you know, there's going to be big gaps up the, up the field in the middle of the field for a guy like Njoku. So, you know. Yeah, I was looking at some stats, and I mean, they had, uh, at the end of the year, I think they started putting up, you know, like 300-some yards passing a game and stuff like that. And I think in the last three games, he never had any more than like three catches a game or something. They also wasn't, and now you're adding Beckham in there. I think, um, I think more and more he's going to be he's he's going to be the third, fourth read, and so I think the stuff he does get is going to be, uh, um, you know, just what the defense is giving you. Yeah. And if they can, if Mayfield could pick that up, then he'll be there. But other than that, I think uh, there's just it's, they're kind of in the same situation as the Rams, with just a lot of mouths to feed. It's funny I, in the NF in the AFC North, it's just you're you're dealing with you know those inside linebackers. There aren't a ton of studs uh, at inside linebacker in the AFC North. So, you know, your tight end could be a huge factor uh, in the, uh, in a wild conference. So, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, when you talk about that kind of stuff where Hunt, Hunt's one of those guys that when he's in, you line him up as running back and then, you know, you adjust, you uh, uh, move right before the snap. And then you have a linebacker trying to cover this guy in space. And that's it's very very dangerous. Uh, they're gonna be they're gonna be potent when he's when he's uh, week eight week nine. Uh, I think it's nine. I think it's eight weeks suspended. Um, yeah, so worth it for them to uh, take that shot on him. I think. Do I you like Nick Chubb? Is. Nick Chubb is, is very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's good. He's he can carry the load. He's gonna be fine. I think Cream is really gonna be like. I don't think there's any threat of Hunt coming in and being. Uh, taking the starting job, uh, I think he comes in in more situational. I think it's you know more third down stuff. Really, spelling. I think Chubb, I think Chubb does just fine. Especially, I don't know. Again, as the passing game starts to to take off, uh, that naturally gives up more space for the running back. The sure. O line is going to make some stuff. Chubb is fully capable of doing that. I think by week eight, he's going to have established himself. I think at that point, it may be. Um, uh, they start to take into consideration uh, wear and tear. Workload, yeah, sure, um, sure. Because I think by that time, they're going to be you know, right in that playoff mix, and yep. they're going to be looking for uh, longevity. So, um, But I don't think there's, uh, there's going to be that big of a threat of, uh, of, of taking over Chubbs' starting position. That's, a wa- that's, that's an interesting perspective. I actually think, you know, because Kareem Hunt was, before he got suspended last year, was leading the NFL in rushing. And, you know, he was in the same conversation with Todd Gurley and, and the great running backs in the NFL. When he comes back, is, is he going to is he gonna be okay being a third down back? Does he have a choice? Is he should, be, is he, should he just be happy that he's able to play? I uh, think he should, you know, based I, on a lot of other things. Yeah, but, but you know how egos get in the way. So that'll be an interesting, by week eight, it should be very interesting to see what, how he fits into this team and where they play him and if they play him. Who knows? Maybe by that time, you know. Uh, Nick Chubb may, like you said, may have established himself, and they they don't have a need for uh, for Hunt. But I, I tell you, it's a hell of a weapon to bring bring in in Week Nine. You know, well, Chubb established himself last year. 
and that's why guys like Duke Johnson aren't there and, you know, other guys were, were kind of bounced. I think Kareem Hunt sort of fell in their lap that a lot of people don't even want to take the shot on him yeah. because of what he's done. And Cleveland kind of got a – I don't know the the salary ramifications and whatnot, but I think I think he was a, a steal sort of thing where you say, oh, we're going to take a chance on him and sure. they're willing to give him that opportunity, then, you know, good on them. But – uh, Chubbs had established himself already, yeah. So yeah. they they made moves accordingly. Now you did talk about Duke Johnson going to the Texans. They just picked somebody else up. Who was that? Uh, Texans? Yeah. Oh, jeez. I know McCoy went to Kansas City after being released by Buffalo. Was it not Duke Johnson? No. No, I thought it was. Uh, Oh, Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde, up. yes, from from Kansas City. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you know, does that? It makes you wonder. Do you think teams commiserate with each other before cuts are made? You know, Kansas City knows that McCoy is going to be out there in a, in a day or two, so they deal Hyde, knowing that they're going to be able to sign this guy. Because uh, that happened. That, I mean, all. I mean, it all happens fairly quickly, right? Like he's he's primary. He's primarily. He would have been. Damian Williams' primary backup. Like they don't have yeah. a lot of depth at running back right now. Now they do, but you know, to, to, for that deal to go through, you, you you have to wonder. You know, they they must have had a backup plan to go ahead and deal Carlos Hyde, who's a, who's a serviceable runner. You know, maybe you're right because I I kept thinking. I said, well, if you know, say that the Chiefs know that McCoy was going, or say the Bills knew that the Chiefs would pick up McCoy so quick. You say, well, why don't we trade for him? Like, get something in return. Use that as leverage. Even though you know you're about to cut him, I'm going to trade him to try and get something back. But if you trade him, then his salary and stuff like that is all there. I think if you cut him, I think it's like, because with football, nothing's guaranteed, right? So you're cut. You say, hey, my contract is null and void. Now you're signing me for something that is not the big money contract that he had before. You know what I mean? So oh, you can kind of yeah. save money, say, yeah. well, you're cut. Now yeah. we're restarting. Maybe there is something to that. Again, I'm... Uh, teams doing other teams a favor. Or I don't, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to I say. I mean, it's still... A, it's still you got to make sure... Well, I guess if you're just picked up, it's not... Uh, I don't know if it was through waivers or if it was just uh, say, well, we're, we're going to sign him so the agent works with it. Anyway, I yeah. think there's, there's money. There's, I mean, when you talk about uh, colluding and, uh, and whatnot in the NFL and working together, I think... All the owners sure. are doing that. I mean, that's you know from the Kaepernick stuff, from all that. Yeah. I think it's all sort of intertwined. Sure, um, and it's like the old boys' cub kind of thing. Of course, but uh, I think it has to do with finances in terms of cutting and the other team picking up versus yeah. just trading. So I answered my own question, but anyway. So offensively, I think we can all agree they're going to be potent. They're going to be even more potent come uh, Kareem Hunt's return. If they, you know, uh, by the looks of things, if they get Callaway back after suspension, he adds another, he's another weapon to that offense. Um, good, solid offensive line. New coach. What, do you, what can you tell us about Freddie Kitchens? Not much. Um, I think he brings an enthusiasm, uh, again, that is required in Cleveland. Um, I mean, how far? I've heard he's, you know, a man of the people, if you will. I heard, yeah. uh, you know, he's not afraid or he doesn't think he's too good to walk by a bunch of fans i was hearing uh, listening to fantasy football radio and they were talking about uh, uh being at some event and the guy was saying you know i walked in with freddie kitchens of course he's like nobody gives a shit about me but he's like there's a lot of browns fans there and they uh you know were 
yelling his name and this and that. And he's like, he could have just, you know, hey, how's it going? And kind of walked by like yeah. everybody else did. He's like, that guy went back and stayed with those fans and chatted football for about 25, 30 minutes. Um, and really, I, I don't know. I think the, the, the people in Cleveland, the fans in Cleveland are, are excited about it. I think he feels, you know, they're uh, on the edge of something exciting. Well, it's been how many years? Oh, it's, you know, they've been awful for, for so long. So long, and they've had glimpses of hope get snuffed right out, you know. And there, I mean, that whole uh, coaching situation before Freddie Kitchens, the guy, it slips my mind now. The guy that coached uh, in Cincinnati, he was oh, Lewis. No, he was Lewis's assistant. He, oh, one in thirty-two there, whatever he was. He had an O for a year. Name slips my mind. I can't believe it. You got to Google that for me, please. Yeah, yeah. Where's Curtis when we need him? No kidding, eh? Um. You know, it's been so long since they've had anything to cheer for. You know, they drafted Tim, when they when they lost their team to Baltimore. And then they came back. They drafted Tim Couch. There was a couple of years after Tim Couch, Kelly Holcomb came in, and in the early two two thousands, they made a wild card. Uh, they had a, a year or two with Butch Davis as their coach, where things were looking in the uh, in the right direction. And then you know, just poor organization, poor drafting. Uh, poor decisions, and this team has just been down and out for so long. I can't think of another team in pro sports that's been out, down and out for as long as the Cleveland Browns have. And, uh, you know, thank God for the city of Cleveland, the Cavaliers brought a championship. But, I mean, we're talking about a team and a fan base that has been starving for a winner. So I, I actually really think that they got one this year. Yeah, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson, by the way. Uh, a great piece with Sports Illustrated um, when he was let go by Cleveland went into a deep depression and Marvin Lewis hired him as his uh, I would I would think Marvin Lewis basically created a position for for Hugh Jackson to uh, stay in, involved in football because he got major league depressed and uh, it wasn't shy about it said look you know I've just lost my job I don't know what I'm going to do I, every time I, t- uh, you know, I turn the TV on to read the paper, someone's ripping me to shreds, and I lost my confidence. I've lost my my sense of self, and uh, you know, he, he currently, as it stands, is out of football and is looking for work. Um, but uh, good on him to come out and and talk about it because you know we don't we don't know what these guys go through. They have they they have families too, you know, and they have feelings too, and. To go and read about you know being one in thirty two, and I, I used to I'd rip Hugh Jackson as a coach because I was a Steelers fan, but he's a human being, you know. And I uh, knowing that he went, he's been through that, I might think twice about ripping a guy, you know. Yeah, Marvin Lewis uh, seemed to be a quality individual. Um, his uh, I met his son actually, well Marvin as well when I do those O line coaches uh, conferences down in Cincinnati. And his son was doing their D-line. He was working with their D-line and uh, did a little spiel and talked about how he trains his guys and whatever. Pretty young guy. I don't even know what his background is. Uh, but my initial thing was, oh, daddy's the head coach and you got a little job there, eh, bud? Uh, <laughs> right. Didn't say that. Well, thought it. Yeah. Thought about it. Well. Because the guy looked like he was about 17. Anyway, whatever. I guess he was doing all right. But... Um, you know, again, nice individuals, uh, respectful, uh, hardworking, and uh, you know, after his presentation, it uh, changed my mind. He actually knew what he was doing, which was great. Um, but yeah, uh, 
It's good to hear. Marvin that, Lewis uh, had uh, a lot of success in Cleveland, uh, in uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Sorry, a lot of success. He t- he basically turned that franchise around, and Hugh Jackson was a big part of it for many years. So, you know, I'm glad that uh, the coaching fraternity take care of each other like that. Um, well, that's I, what it is. Eh? You know, it's a coaching fraternity, and I hope that he I hope he gets work. He's a quality defensive coordinator. It's just the whole coach, the head coaching that particular team was just uh, it was, was going to be a lose lose situation for anybody. So, you know. He got thrown under the bus. Did you watch the uh, hard knocks of the Cleveland Browns with him? You know what? I didn't. There's, you know. I don't, Coaching style? Yeah. There was a, uh, I forget, he ripped a couple guys um, in meetings, um, like coaches. And then, uh, you know, I forget there's a quote of they like. They quit. Didn't they quit? I think yeah, there's the, a few. Like he just didn't seem open to uh, some of the stuff. And well, yeah, being one of them, and there's another guy who less known uh, coach who obviously you know Haley had a, a, a has a good resume, yeah, you know, so he's gonna be fine. And another kid, you know, doesn't have that; it's gonna affect him a bit more. But I forget he Hugh, you know, talked about something like, yeah, I used to be in your seat too. Like I used to think I have ideas, yeah, and something like that. And, but um, you know, this is my ship, and I'm in the front. And I we're heard gonna, this anyway. It was. Uh, Whatever. I mean, the way they produce things and the way they spin things are two different things. Anyway, yada, yada. We can get into... Uh, you know what's funny? Just so I, would, I just want to make a point of that. It's funny. When you are depressed, maybe he was. Maybe he's been dealing with depression even while he was coaching. And I think when you're depressed, you... How do I put this? You're more apt to say things that you wouldn't normally say. And I'm sure in retrospect, he probably he probably thought that was a stupid thing to tell that coach. Mm-hmm. You know, as a young kid, I was him at once. Maybe I, I could have used the pat on the back. Uh, that's because that's a really stupid thing to say. I mean, you, you want your coaches to be there for you. You want them to go to war with you. Yet you're telling the guy, look, I, you could have good ideas. That's nice. But I ultimately make the decisions. Well, that's that's not the kind of environment you want to foster for, for coaching. You know what I mean? No, I in, so live yeah. and learn. Yeah, depression, CTE, uh, you know, there's a lot of things. But he was in a situation where, you know, film caught it and uh, it will forever be uh, played back for people, I'm sure. I think Cleveland's pretty happy that uh, that he's uh, no longer the coach. I think ultimately they, they, you know, they went on and I think Greg Williams was the interim coach for uh, for the end of last year, a, yeah. a defensive guru. But, you know, I'm speaking of defense, like they're loaded. Okay, you know. as good as we're talking about the offense could potentially be and should be, the defense is going to be just as good. Look, they added uh, they added Sheldon Richardson, who they really for for I, they added Sheldon Richardson, who has underachieved the last couple of years everywhere he's been, and it was a really a, it's a no risk situation there. But he's when he when he's on and his mind is right, he's one of the best defensive tackles. Olivier Vernon, they got in the Beckham trade. Miles um, Garrett might be the best defensive player. Next to Aaron Donald, he's a freak, absolute um, freak. You know, an absolute freak. Um, and with Vernon Oliver on the other side, yeah, it's just gonna like, yeah, you're gonna create it's havoc. It's gonna be insane. This um, is very much along the the Von Miller, uh, yeah, uh, Chubb site kind of duo. Yes, it's gonna be. I watched some of these guys in preseason, and it's not even like they're starters for a lot of it. So we had, uh, I forget, it was like Trayvon Coley was in there and stuff. Yeah. And I think the first like three plays of the game. I now slips my mind who they were playing against, but they were just in the backfield. It was just wild, eh? Hand the ball off, stuffed. Quarterback sack, stuffed. Anyway, it's their secondary. Denzel Ward's a hard, hard hitting 
um, cornerback. Morgan Burnett is an interesting one. He played with Pittsburgh last year. I think he's got something to prove. But look, I, guys, I watched him all last year in Pittsburgh. He couldn't stay on the field. Um, he couldn't stay healthy. And when he was healthy, he was a liability. And he wasn't receptive at all to playing that sort of strong safety linebacker hybrid position that teams are trying to go with right now. Like um, he just was not open to it. He's also been in the in the league for a long time. So what does he have left in the, in the tank? He's their starting safety. So interesting um, that he's starting. But, you know, he's got something to prove. They spent some money on him. Um, Demarius Randall, good free safety. Terrence Mitchell is their other, other cornerback. So they're secondary. Um, they drafted Greedy Williams. Can you tell me anything about Greedy Williams? Uh, Greedy Williams, yeah, LSU, which is a defensive factory. Um, is going to be awesome. Uh, one of their linebackers, that's Sion uh, Takitaki. <laughs> Takitaki? It's a great song. It is. Who? Yeah, Sion Takitaki. He, he, sorry, he's with Cleveland? Yeah, he's the outside linebacker out of BYU. So, uh, oh, there he is. Yes. Uh, these, oh, there's a Q beside his name. He's questionable, I guess, for week one. But yeah, but what a uh, great name. Yeah. He's so sorry. Greedy Williams, State, also LSU, Sion Taki Taki from uh, LSU as well. From BYU. BYU. And then uh, you're talking about uh, Morgan uh, Burnett being uh, questionable. You're not quite sure. Well, they picked up uh, Sheldrick Redwine. Red, red, red wine. wine. I should have had the sound. Son of a... God. Anyway, out of Miami. As much as I hate Miami, the University of Miami. Uh, Good pickups. Yeah. He's going to be a guy that I think can hopefully learn from Burnett, and then he'll be more than likely somebody who can take over if need be. From experience, just from what I saw last year, uh, Sheldrick Redwine, uh, you will play sooner than later. He, uh, Burnett cannot stay on the field. I can't see him playing. I don't think he played much in the preseason, Burnett, anyway, so... Uh, I, he just he can't stay on the field. So, and Mac Wilson is the other guy uh, who stands out to me as a as a good pickup from them uh, in the draft. These linebacker guys are Alabama. These guys are loaded at linebacker. Um, this can be scary. There's absolutely know. like you look on paper, these guys have no excuse. I think the biggest thing that will make or break their season is if Baker Mayfield gets injured at some point. I think the offense stalls. But hard to debate that. I, I actually think it's uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a case of chemistry. If they can keep it together, if guys won't blow a gasket, if uh, if Beckham is targeted five times and he catches three balls, is he going to lose it? Um, That's where I think you know Mayfield is so vital to that offense because and even if he is hurt, he's going to be there, responsible or taking a leadership role in terms of keeping these guys together. Yeah, but. Uh, his personality, his uh, fearlessness in terms of telling guys, no matter what their status is, uh, where they stand, and like get your shit together. You know, just based on interviews I've seen him with Coward, yeah, and, and stuff like that, where he's not going to take somebody's shit. He's gonna he's gonna speak up and he's gonna defend himself and he's gonna right the ship and and. Uh, I, yeah. I, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm with a, you. I'm a big Mayfield fan. I'm not gonna lie. So am I. Like, I and that's that, that wasn't the case when he was in college. Hard for me to admit this too, but uh, you know, when he was in college, he had a lot of Johnny Manziel in him, and I'm like, oh, they don't yeah. need another Johnny Manziel. They drafted yeah. a Johnny Manziel. It didn't work. But boy, he proved me wrong last year when he came on for Tyrod Taylor. I'm like, okay, I got to deal with this guy for the next 15 years in the AFC. 
So uh, I say that because I'm a Pittsburgh fan. Are you? Listeners, it's it's a hot take. Hot take. Steeler fan here. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Huh? Uh, we got yeah. one left, one team to discuss too. Moving forward, uh, we'll move on to the. St- we were supposed to, to do this Cleveland quick, but as we I go know. through, like they're fucking stacked. Yeah, they are stacked, and you know what? They've got Austin Seibert as their kicker. Oh yeah, oh. I like the delivery in that one. No Austin idea. Seiler's no the kicker. Seibert. Seibert. Fuck. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move on to their let's record. Move on to their record. <laughs> so Brock clearly is not a fan of special teams. That's uh, not the okay. case. I just uh, <laughs> once I looked through the offense and defense, I did not look through their special right. teams. Okay, so <clears throat> do, shall I? Shall sure. You? Okay, I got mine picked already. So do I. Uh, they host Tennessee. Win. They are uh, at the Jets. Win. Host the Rams. Lose. At Baltimore. Win. Oof. Uh, at San Francisco. Win. Host Seattle. Lose. At New England. Oh, that's hosting Seattle. I kind of probably... Uh, I got to buy the next one, but yeah. yeah okay. at, at, buy New England, yeah at New England next. Uh, yeah. I have a loss in New England. Yeah. Uh, at Denver. Win. That's a tough one. I got a loss there. Uh, at Buff- uh, Host Buffalo. Win. Host Pittsburgh. Win. <laughs> Did host, you hear that? Host win. Miami. They got, win. Look at that. Three games in a row. That's some, uh, three home games in a row in the middle of the uh, middle of the season. Uh, at Pittsburgh. Loss. Host Cincinnati. Win. At Arizona. Win. At Baltimore. Win. Or oh, sorry, host Baltimore, sorry. Win. And at Cincinnati. Okay. Dude, I got him at 12 and 4. Okay. I'll tell you what I got him at right now. And the one where they host Seattle in week six, I was thinking they were on the road. But hosting Seattle, Seattle coming to the East Coast, that could very well be a win. So it could be a thirteen and three. I got him. I got him at seven and nine. Of course you do. We just talked about how stacked they are on offense, how dominant their fucking defense is. I got him at seven and nine. Steeler fan. Look, here's a couple of a couple of games that I have asterisks beside. Okay, um, I think they're going to lose at Denver. It's just a, it's just tough to play in Denver, and Denver's got a crazy D. So that could be a letdown game for them. Um, <clears throat> I have them losing, even though they're hosting Buffalo and Pittsburgh. I have them losing, but both those games. Um, Buffalo's going to be good, man. I Buffalo, I there. That's a team. Just saying. Um, I do like if they are going to blow a game. I find it it'll be at home. Like I, I, I still I like the road team as the underdog that yeah. will surprise things. So. Yeah, this seven and nine right. again. This seven and nine could be ten and six in a heartbeat. I, I've got them losing some tough games. You know, like I said, at Denver, hosting Buffalo, hosting Pittsburgh. I have them losing the last game of the year at Cincinnati. So you know that 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 game right there is a huge asterisk that can easily change to a win. But like Brock said, we haven't seen any of these guys play. Like it's true. You know, preseason we've seen the starters for a, a, basically a quarter and a half. So I I. I, I you know, the old Denny Green, you know, you want to crown their ass, crown their ass. I don't know who they are I, yet. They I can't are crown. who we they thought, thought they were. were. We let them off the hook. <laughs> uh, yeah, so <clears throat> I'm going strictly by paper. Yeah. And paper, I got them at 12 and 4. That defense can win them three games easy. So I'm with you there, buddy. I, I'm, I'm hard on their, on their record only because it's the AFC North and I'm a Steelers fan. But, uh, you know, in hindsight, they could be 10 and 6. Um, they're going to fight for a wild card, no doubt about it. 
All right, so that's 28 minutes on the Browns. That means the Pittsburgh gets about five. <laughs> Are you sticking for dinner or no? I gotta go for. I gotta go, but you know what? Mom can wait. All right, love you, mom. <laughs> So, back, Browns, done. Bengals, done. Ravens, done. AFC North, check. We are complete. <laughs> we are not complete. Oh, what are we missing? Oh, we're missing the Pittsburgh Steelers, my friend. The Pittsburgh Steelers. You know what I'm missing? Hot dogs and corn. I'm looking at them right now. <laughs> well, Dinner get, is just about ready. Let's get her done. It All smells right. delicious. Oh, my God. It smells so good. You know what? Pittsburgh, I can just, I'll, I'll oh. say three things, and then I'll mute mine, go eat. You can finish ranting on your Pittsburgh Steelers. Actually, I want to almost start with the, the schedule. We're not going to. We're not going to. All right, whatever. Okay. Look, all the talk in Pittsburgh in the last two seasons has been about bullshit. It's been about Antonio Brown, and it's been about Le'Veon Bell's holdout, and it's taken away the focus, which has been arguably the best offensive line in pro football, if not one of the top five. So, you know, all this crap about, you know, the the – and Antonio Brown's straight up has shown he's straight up nuts. So Pittsburgh made the right decision uh, in trading him. And what they got in return is a guy who can run clean routes, has great hands and is mature for his age in Deontay Johnson. So, uh, you know, James Conner has proven, you talk about Nick Chubb proving that he can, he can handle the load. Well, guess what? James Conner was proved last year that he can, he's more than capable of running the ball and handling the load. Yeah. And Jalen Samuel is a very underrated running back. He, in fact, he had a couple of hundred yard games there towards the end of the season when Conner got hurt. So I think the running back situation, they decided to keep Benny Snell, which was surprising because he didn't really have a good preseason. And they cut Trey Edmonds, who's Terrell Edmonds' brother. Um, they also cut Benny Deont- Snell's pretty good. He's pretty good, but he didn't, sh- he didn't show a lot. Like he was, was he running behind the first team, the third ranked uh, offensive line in the NFL yeah, for, for the first preseason game he was. Okay. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the last game they played, uh, against Carolina, he didn't show a lot, but again, he was, uh, like you said, he was running with the, with the second guys. Because you talk about James Conner and I'll be the first to say, Hey, he, proved everybody wrong last year all those doubters and warriors with Le'Veon Bell but it also screamed to me and really put in perspective the the scheme and the offensive line you can plug a lot of running backs in and that may also have a trickle-down effect in terms of the Ezekiel and Melvin Gordon type situations where teams are like you know what if I can build the old line and we have a good running game we can plug whoever the fuck we want in there as long as they're an athlete Damian Williams Key example. James Conner, key example. Like, guys can do that. Like anyway. I, w- I want to see Le'Veon Bell this year run the ball. I want to see what he's going to do against uh, behind a, a you know, a, a okay offensive line, but they're not nothing like he ran in Pittsburgh. Right. So when you say you want to see that, you're there's a tone there of like, yeah, I want to see that. Very sarcastic. Yeah. Like, you think you had success in Pittsburgh, and you think that can translate to any O-line because you're a great runner? Well, let me tell you, they catered to your style. You know, you're, you Le'Veon Bell used to stop basically right in the backfield, dead stop, and then find a hole and, and hit it. Uh, you know, I never, I never saw a running style like that. He, he's, you talk about the ingenuity. That was, he was a very interesting runner. There's a lot of pressure on him this year from the standpoint of every other running back in the NFL and those who are going to come up to the NFL. Because if he cannot produce 
with a different team and out of that kind of system? Because now we've already shown them that uh, a running back who's not Le'Veon Bell can go in and have the same amount of success. Can he do it at another team? Is there value for the athletic freaks like Le'Veon Bell? And I think, the, I don't know if he actually takes it that way or not, but at Le'Veon, if you're listening, the running backs moving forward, either in the league or future running backs in the NFL, their paychecks and their value is going to be very much affected by how you do this year. That's such, a, that's such an excellent point. That's because, you know what, if he doesn't succeed then maybe he was a product of a good system and a good old line, which he certainly was. And one of the biggest losses this year in Pittsburgh was lo- losing Mike Munchak. So um, they replaced him with Sean Surrett, who's also um, under under Munchak's uh, uh, team. So Tutelage. Tutelage. Um, so they've kept – Pittsburgh is notorious for trying to maintain continuity with their coaching. So usually they'll, they'll hire from internally before they hire anybody externally uh, when, um, when they lost their – all-time defensive coordinator Dick LeBeau. They replaced him with Keith Butler, who was on the, on the staff already. So that's that's just what they do. Mike Tomlin's not going anywhere, although he is kind of on the hot seat for the first time in a long time. They they only extended his contract a year, which would suggest that, okay, look, you, you got the pieces. We got Ben for another two or three years. Best offensive line in football. We spent all our drafts on defense. Uh, let's go. We got to see something here. This is a Super Bowl contending team every year. They didn't make the playoffs last year because of all the turmoil. It wasn't for a lack of a lack of uh, mm-hmm. of uh, talent. You know, they beat New England towards the end of the year last year at home in a, in a you know, slugfest. The talent is there. The problem is they lose these three or four games a year each year. Games they have no business losing, they lose, and that is you know being unprepared, and that's got to be on coaching. And I am. I've been a very, very, very hard critic on Mike Tomlin over the years because his teams come into these games that they should win and they come in unprepared. A couple of years ago, they went into New New York and lost to the Jets, who were at the time 3-10, and and Michael Vick ran roughshod all over them. Um, They lose to Oakland every year, uh, it seems. Critical times of the year where they need a win. They can't go into Oakland and win. They lost to the Bears and Mike Glennon two years ago. When a game that they had no business losing, they lose to Mike Lennon and the Bears. They've lost to a couple of horrible, horrible Browns teams over the years. Again, like middle of the season when you really need to win, they come in and they lay an egg in some of the, some of these stadiums. So um, Mike Tomlin for me is on the hot seat, and you know this year is the year where he really has to show that he's able to uh, play chess. Do you think he's lost? Um I want to say some of the... No. I know where you're going with this. No. No? No. I don't think... I think he's never been a huge rah-rah guy. He, you know, when, when they talk, when he get those interviews, he's very articulate. He talks a lot. But he's never been a huge cheerleader guy. His, adver- his, his whole uh, motto is like, if, I ha- if you need me to pump you up, you're in the wrong business. So... He's had players, though, on, under him that needed to be pumped up over the years, and he wasn't able to do that. So there's the criticism on Tomlin. Um, I, think he's, I think he's really the X factor this year. I don't, I don't know how they, you know, I don't know how they get better. They have receivers. They have talent. They have runners. They have depth. They have O-line. They've drafted their defense. Looks pretty good. I think what I, like, what I was kind of getting at is when you talk about the sideshows and all that kind of stuff, 
that's where I'm wondering. Like, you just don't see that with a Belichick-type team, right? Like, it, there's no hesitation to get rid of somebody. There's nobody who's bigger than the team. There's nobody that he lets affect the locker room and the team chemistry and attitude, I guess, um, where it seemed like that, like you brought it up. Like, that was the reason last year was all the fiasco stuff. Yeah. Should he have been able to... Um, I don't know, lead and, and fix that situation? Like, did he lose any ability to relate to players, to, to have the players buy into the system, to, you know? I don't, I don't think so. You know, if you look at Brown, it was really just towards the, the half end of last year where you could see something was wrong. I mean, a couple of years ago when he, when he was Facebooking or something, whatever he was doing in the locker room after a playoff game, when Tomlin was giving a speech, um, that, that was questionable, but... The guy, this guy's caught a hundred balls for like eight or eight nine years in a row. He's had over a thousand yards receiving eight nine years in a row. So, yeah, but nobody Facebook when Belichick is speaking. Nobody. I don't know. I'm not. No, I'm not defending like, Tom at all. Antonio I, Brown have ever gone to a, a New England? Uh, I think he's he's in Oakland because uh, what's his face is a pushover yeah, like no. Gruden's not a pushover but I just think Gruden's a sideshow himself yeah, like exactly. so you kind of have all that anyway. no I'm with no I'm with you there I, and I've been a, like I, I've been a hard critic on Tomlin for that for that kind of thing like why how could the, how could this go on like what's going on um but I don't think he's I think he's still he's still able to relate to players I think players like playing for him um he's always been a guy that leans on his vets though um almost too much he's very loyal to his players so you know, you got an up and comer. You, you got to give the guy a shot. You know, and he he stays. Sometimes he stays a year too long with guys that should have been gone. So Mike Mitchell was a, is a good example. Great player for a couple of years, but you know, lost a step, and he ended up playing for Pittsburgh two, three years longer than he should have, and they that delayed the inevitable, which is we got to get someone in here to play free safety. So. <clears throat> you know who he does lean on? He leans on the field when people are returning punts. <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> we can get into Tomlin uh, a lot more. Let's get into the actual team. The actual team, look, they, they made uh, some interesting cuts. Uh, they cut De- uh, Canadian, uh, not, not Canadian, but he played for the CFL, uh, the Red Blacks. They, they cut Deontay Spencer. Don't know if they plan on bringing him back uh, uh, in the practice squad, but they also cut two other receivers, Eli Rogers, who's a longtime stealer, and um, um, Johnny Holton, who had a really good um, preseason. So as it stands, they've got five receivers. Um, I'm assuming they're going to bring one or two of those guys back onto the practice squad. Um, so that was an interesting, I think when I'm looking at their cuts, there's a, a couple on defense that were also kind of questionable. Um, PJ Locke had a really, really, really good preseason. They, they cut him. They kept Jordan Dangerfield. So um, when I look at their team, I mean, what's, what's there to say on offense? You know, they replaced... Antonio Brown with Dante Moncrief, a veteran receiver, a little bit bigger body. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster turns into number one. Well, that's it. You don't replace Antonio Brown with Dante Moncrief. No. But Juju has the ability to step into a role that's very sure. much like A.B. and then maybe Moncrief. And uh, I like the James Washington kid. Yeah, yeah. A uh, lot. He lost so a lot of weight and uh, looks looks like he was a... I f- think you kind of roll into that where Juju takes a AB type role and then Washington can kind of excel the way Juju did. I think that's the question. Can Juju be that number one guy? You know, he caught a hundred balls last year cause they were double teaming Brown all over the field. So it's an interesting question. Deontay Johnson uh, guys, he's going to be great. Um, he's already a step ahead of uh, Washington when it comes to learning the offense and route running. 
But uh, I really do like Washington's character, and he's got great hands. He's a he's a deep threat. Got some good wheels. Uh, Vance Vance McDonald, if he can stay healthy, will will be one of the top tight ends in the league in terms of catching. Um, he's had some concussion issues over the years, but the problem, I think, the weakness for Pittsburgh right now is uh, depth at tight end. Um, they're lo- they're looking. They drafted Zach Gentry. He can't block his way out of a paper bag. Um, Xavier Grimble is their currently their second tight end. Uh, but then we look at their deep, their offensive line, Brock. It's the best in football, you know. Phil, third, third, third best, third based best. On okay. Ratings, wow. But, uh, uh, you know. The best in, and it, this is it's going to be important in the AFC North. You know, with defenses like Cleveland, you, know, you need you need guys to block. So they got Ramon Foster, Pouncey, DeCastro, who's all world, and Matt Father is taking the place of your Florida boy. Uh, they traded Gilbert. Uh, uh, towards, still, it's anchored by a Florida boy. So let's just ease hey, up on that. Hey, listen, man. Okay. If they're good, why do I care? Yeah, third behind New England and New Orleans. It's their defense will be the is the uh, think the key to their defense is going to be whether or not they can uh, adjust. They want to, they they uh, traded for Mark Barron. Mark Barron is uh, the type of player that they're looking for. Free safety. Now suddenly he's linebacker. He's that hybrid guy that they're trying to to work into the system. They have him slotted inside linebacker, but he can play safety. Devin Bush, the rookie, mm-hmm. rookie of the year candidate. He's had a fantastic preseason. He stayed healthy. It's um, not even week one, so let's ease up on that. Uh, he's going to be the rookie of the year. <laughs> We've already given him his bonus. <laughs> it's given his award exactly. is getting the, engraved as we speak. Bud Dupree's in a contract year, so what that means for him, he, he's shown really marginal uh, improvement over the years, and they drafted him number one a couple of years ago. So mm-hmm. um, Vince Williams. T.J. Watt, gonna have another year under his belt. He's gonna be a. He's gonna certainly get into the backfield. Uh, Cam Hayward is one of the best defensive ends in the in the league. But you know, Pittsburgh's always relied on their three four. They rely on their on their three front guys to just hold their spot. You know, they they never expect Stephon Tuitt or Hayward to lead the league in sacks. It is what it is. You know, hold your spot. Let the linebackers make the tackles. So Isaiah Bugs out of Alabama. Yeah, he he struggled last couple of games. He really struggled. Uh, they were there was some talk that he may not even make the team, but he's in there. Um, Joe Hayden, veteran. Joe Hayden, love Joe Hayden. Fantastic Florida guy. Steve Nelson. DBU. They, they yeah, brought yeah. Steve Nelson to, to come in and take Artie Burns' spot. Uh, Artie Burns made the team, so good on him for coming back and uh, you know. He'd had a pretty good preseason. They were really low on Artie Burns. They were thinking about cutting him, trading him. There was all kinds of talk. He's made the team. Justin Lane, their draft pick. You know what that does? That that they brought somebody in. His position is not guaranteed, and even then, it was actually taken from him. Pretty much. That's a wake up call for guys. And if guys can respond, so good on Artie Burns for yeah. stepping up and hope. And you know what? That's if he doesn't play, that's going to make. Um, Nelson, a better player. Absolutely. Because of it. Well, their secondary has been their Achilles heel over the years. And once they lost Ryan Shazier, then their linebacking core also became an Achilles heel. They've addressed that in the draft. They've addressed their secondary in in trade um, and draft. So, you know, there's really no excuse at this point. It's just putting it together. And uh, I'm not a huge Keith Butler fan, their defensive coordinator. I think he's, again, Pittsburgh gets outcoached so often that it's it's a struggle to watch their uh, their defense just give a big play after a big play. So um, that being said, I do think Pittsburgh is still the class of the, of the division, even though they finished nine seven and one last year. They sh- could have easily been ten and six. Let me get my schedule. I've already picked. Okay, 
Do you want to talk about their special teams? The special teams are pretty good. Boswell. No, they're not, actually. Uh, Chris Boswell cost them a couple of games last year after getting a huge contract. It depends on which side you're looking from. So from your side, yeah, I guess they stink. But from my side, if I was going for anybody but Pittsburgh at that time, they were pretty good. <laughs> Uh, they have one of the worst punters this in the be NFL. our last podcast, people. Yes. So anyway, uh, this friendship's over. Um, Jordan Berry's their punter. He's one of the worst in the NFL. And special teams in Pittsburgh is so important. Boswell, I do think, will have a comeback year. He did get paid a ton of money last year and just faltered. I think there was just too much pressure on him. But it seems like he's uh, had a good preseason sort of... It's gotten the, the jitters out of his feet there. So kickers, it's like golf, man. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, I just I had my club was open a little yeah. bit, yeah. so it sliced over, and you say, oh, I got the 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 coach came in, yeah. worked with me for a few hours, I got this little yip, yeah. straightened out, and then uh, he'll be fine. I think so too. Um, let's get to the uh, let's get to the schedule. Yes, let's do it because you know what that means. Yes. That means we're closer to taco. Where, is is that what's going on at this table right look, now? Uh, it's it's Saturday, but it's Taco Tuesday. Oh boy! I should have the LeBron Let's James Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Song. He's 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 uh, trying to patent it, eh? <laughs> well, anyway, Pittsburgh. Okay. Pittsburgh. You go ahead. All right. <clears throat> Pittsburgh, beginning the season at the New England Patriots. Okay, it's a W. Yeah, I gave him a win. Okay. Hosting Seattle. Uh, w. I gave him a win. Uh, at San Francisco. W. Hosting Cincinnati. W. Hosting Baltimore. W. At the Chargers. It's a tough one. W. If it's fucking undefeated, this is over. By week. W. Yeah. <laughs> hosting Miami. W. Jeez. Hosting Indianapolis. W. At the uh, hosting the Rams. So this, is a, this is a tough one. It's a W. Just, just a smaller W. Yeah. <laughs> at Cleveland. W. At Cincinnati. W. Hosting Cleveland. <sighs> Cleveland's going to be pissed because they lost. That's uh, W. <laughs> At Arizona. Oh, W. Uh, hosting Buffalo. W. At the Jets. I think we got a W there. And at Baltimore. W. We have an undefeated season, people. Fuck. I don't have it in me. I don't Just, have it in me to... I get it. What, I get what, it. What do you have? I get it. What do you have them going? I have them 11 and 5. I can appreciate that. So Cleveland has them by a game in wow. the division. 12 and 4. I think one of those teams make the, make the <clears throat> wild card, by the way. I think the wild card spot will come down to Pittsburgh um, and Cleveland. I also think that... I know it's contrary to what my record says, but if Baltimore does take to the system a lot quicker than they than they they do, and they speed up the the, the rebuild, I think three teams could come come out of the playoffs from the AFC North. I think so, eh? Yeah. What do I have Baltimore? At? Baltimore, I have eight and eight. So if you think they take, I mean, I have an eight and eight, and that's questionable for some of them. Like I, there's some Seattle games, and I have them at five and eleven, and I have Cincinnati at six and ten. But I I think Baltimore is the X factor. They could be the third team to make the playoffs. I don't see anybody from the uh, NFC East other than New England. I really don't. I see Buffalo and New England. AFC East, yeah. You know, I don't see Miami putting up a fight at all. And I do. I think the Jets are are a little overrated. The so Jets are because they're you know it's just excited that the Jets are on anybody's Look, conversation. And Le'Veon Bell has brought some Le'Veon relevancy. Bell, new uniforms, Bell. 
What did we give them? What did I give them? I don't think I put them in to the schedule yet. I think we had the Jets somewhere somewhere at like 500, I less than 500. All. Yeah, I was probably, I had yeah. a lot of eight and eight kind yeah. of, uh, teams, but I think their schedule is not overly uh, difficult. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's it, that. That's the AFC. That and is the AFC. What, one more thing before we <laughs> sign off. Um, the, uh, let's see. Let's, CBS Sports ranked every division in the NFL um, and uh, in terms of difficulty outside of their division. So, yes, we all know, in the like, for example, in the AFC North, we all know Pittsburgh plays Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Baltimore twice a year. But what they're talking about is the difficulty out of the, uh, out of the, com- out of the division. So okay. they rank the AFC East as the uh, weakest at number eight. Okay. Um, since we've covered all the I AFC. feel like AFC. AFC North will be the strongest. Well, I'll tell you right now, AFC South is the sixth weakest. Okay. And again, this is out of eight. AFC North is fourth. Fourth? So there are three other... Com- AFC West apparently is, is harder. So <clears throat> at third. And then there's the top two uh, uh, divisions NFC are ones. NFC ones. And then we'll go over that when we're done the NFC. But anyway, thought that was an interesting, uh, interesting read. All right. Well, well it smells was... like corn and tacos here at this table, and um, and uh, I think we got yeah. the AFC covered, pal. We do, and we're going out to this song. This is uh, to save our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll come back with the NFC. Uh, it's got to be fucking soon. We'll do it on Tuesday, pal. Start uh, Thursday. We're gonna wrap all the NFC up yep. one night. As, or as much as we can. <laughs> as much as we can. Have a great rest of your long weekend, folks. Be safe. Eat tacos, hot dogs, root beer. Black stripe, yellow paint. Them niggas scared of it, but them hoes ain't. Soon as I hit the club, look at them hoes face. Hit the pedal once, make the floor shake. Sway inside, my engine roaring. It's the big boy, you know what I paid for it. Got the pedal to the metal Got you niggas checking game I'm balling out on every level Hear them haters talk But there's nothing you could tell them Just made a million Got another million on my schedule No love for them Nigga breaking hearts No keys Push to start Yeah uh-huh. You know what it is